Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 587 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, we're recording at times two speed because this has to be a short show. Oh, then you mentioned it, so it'll definitely be a short show. (sighs) If we could have that be the running gag of every episode from here on out. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially when I look at the future schedule here, when all the TV shows start coming back mm-hmm. and they're all right on top of each other. And then we <laughs> get a movie on top of it, you know? Oh, and then I start telling you about the time I had an onion on my belt. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that joke gets cut out of the YouTube version. But anyway, <laughs> that is true. But they added it in the in the Doctor Who version. So, oh, good, good. So let's get into the show here. Uh, light news uh, week. In that a creator that left his mark uh, on a specific character is now, I guess, crossing over his two big properties this April. Mm-hmm. And a certain comic book company lives up to their name. I knew that was the way you were going to tease it. Right. Well, listen, we have the same writers. You know, you saw it on the <laughs> script. Yep. Uh Digital sales, uh, what we read this past week, which was Avengers Forever number one and King Conan number one. Uh, And that just reminds me, I think I forgot to do the reminder tweet about last week's episode. Anyway, uh, (laughs) what we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, if there is one, the series finale of Todd and Joe Have Issues, and the tease for the 2022 replacement and a spoiler filled discussion of the season finale of Hawkeye. And if you want to talk about Spider-Man, no way home, I saw it again this weekend. So we could talk about that again, if you'd like. No, whatever you'd like to do, man. If you want to make the show longer, (laughs) we could do whatever. No, no. Uh, So uh, Donnie Cates, who is writing Thor, which seems to be a perennially late book these days, uh, is also writing the Hulk. And this upcoming April, he's crossing the two books over. On Substack, I believe. No, stop it. He can't put Marvel characters on the Substack, right? Right. No, he can't. Uh, So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how this ends up coming together, you know, Uh, especially with, kind of the meta concept that is going on in the Hulk. Uh, You know, we did talk about the previous two issues here. Uh, So, you know, I can kind of say it here. I think the elevator pitch of it is uh, the Hulk was the one that was protecting us from the evil of Dr. Banner this whole time. And the Hulk, as we know, it is actually the engine fueling rage of a Hulk spaceship piloted by Dr. Bruce Banner through the multiverse looking for things. Right. A smashtronaut, if you will. Oh, boy. Isn't that the title? Yep. Like, smashtronaut one of four, one of five, or whatever yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is fantastic. Yeah. So we saw, like, that the Avengers were kind of getting together to try to stop them. Uh, somebody else shows up to try to stop them in issue two. So it'll be interesting to see how the Thor stuff gets woven into this. Because I feel as though Donnie Cates is the type of guy that has, uh, I don't want to say like a very tight script of these things, but I feel as though there's little room for crossover unless he's completely in charge of the crossover. I, I kind of agree on that. And I would not be surprised if like 
some Thanos creeped in there too because they were doing some stuff of that in uh, Thor that they were leading up to a future that Thor was seeing. And you have, you know, uh, that Hulk. Like, I think like he could weave every book that he's done together in one giant crossover if he felt like it. But, you know, don't want to step on Al Ewing and Ram V's feet with uh, Venom, if you get what I mean. But I feel like he could if he wanted to. Right. How soon, uh, you know, I know he's got his Substack stuff. Is he Substack exclusive? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's Substack exclusive, if, if that means anything. Yeah. But, uh, what? Isn't, uh, who's his face? Nick Spencer, isn't he Substack exclusive? He might be. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, unless he wants to do the, maybe the fix will come back to Substack. That'll get me back. That'll get me to check Substack out. Would it? Interesting. Yeah. That's still in the spreadsheet waiting for those uh, two issues that were solicited to finally come out. Mm-hmm. You don't worry, you can brush Saga off that list soon. So. Well, th- that's the thing. Those issues of Saga never got solicited. They. Oh, that you know, is true. Just, that is true. It was just an end, and that's, that's what it was. Was there any Southern Bastards solicited? No. Okay, okay. wait. So there, and I'll say this with a caveat. That there might have been... But there were official diamond cancellations for them. Oh, okay. That, then that's official. That's like, you have right. to take them. As long as they didn't re-solicit them at any point, you have to take those off the list. So, yeah. yes. Whereas with the last two issues of the fix, uh, they were solicited, but never, ta- like, there was never a diamond cancellation for them. Mm-hmm. In that, I'm almost certain that if you go to uh, Image's website, there's still at least, like, the diamond order number for one of the two. Okay. Yeah. Wonder if if uh, any of those come back if they'll be your like most look forward to book, Joe. It'll be it'll. I have a feeling it's not coming back. No. I agree. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, the the story is going to be called Banner of Thor and Hulk of War to kind of play off each of the other characters names so you know i read both those books so i'm excited to check those out and as i always say i'm i am too i love i don't mind when two books i'm reading crossover you know? yeah and it's weird that i see these it's like oh it's uh the it's part five of six of smashed or not crosses over with part five of five of god of hammers right if they all ever come out so if they all ever come out right uh, now, one thing that is coming out yeah. is, uh, Todd, are you aware of the comic book company Bad Idea? Oh, am I, Joe? Yes, okay. I am. Now, I guess this kind of spun out from some folks uh, that were previously at Valiant. Mm-hmm. And this is some sort of comic book company that they decided to do. And between you and I, I guess it started out as a decent idea um, where they had comic books that you could get only through your local comic book retailer. Like you couldn't get them through any sort of mail order services or anything else like that. Um, And you had to like specifically ask for them. Yes. And if you ordered, like say it was a mini series of four, you had to get all four. Yeah. Um, and re- and this this was kind of this was actually a good idea. Retailers couldn't 
up the price. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where it would be like, okay, this all of a sudden became a hot book. So you have to sell it for $3.99. You can't, you know, gouge it or put it on eBay for extra money or we'll take you off the list. And then what was, there was some other, like a couple other things. That was like, there's some good ideas here for bad idea. There's some. Right. Um, and I would say that we could probably uh, put this one, uh, their most recent idea, into the bad column. Yes. And that would be they are now getting in on the CGC graded slabbed comics, right? Mm-hmm. And they are offering a comic book called Conceptual Funnies. Which is a invisible comic. Yep. It's a folded piece of acetate with two staples in it in a 9.8 CGC slab. Mm -hmm. Well, it was graded by CGC at 9.8, Joe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so they were able to get 34 9.8s. Um, and if you're on their mailing list, they're going to offer it to you first before they go on to the secondary market. Mm -hmm. Now, Todd, I'm all for parody and I'm all for taking the P out of CGC, but don't you feel as though as a comic book company, their i their their time and efforts and imaginations could be better used for literally anything else. I kind of agree. Like, I mean, I mean, no, I definitely agree. Uh, I look at it as this is you know ridiculous, and I get I don't mind ridiculous. Like when Valiant did that lowest print run of a you know second printing, whatever. Um, but this this seems like. Such a dumb idea. Um, and I'm not so much mad at bad idea. Like, I'm like, whatever drums up interest, even though you're ruining, like, the collector's market, as far as I'm concerned, with stuff like this. Because apparently they had this book at one of the cons and they were showing various people, like, whatever. And they were getting, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for for people. Like, I need that. I fear of missing out. There's only going to be so many. It's a clear comic. It's an invisible comic. It's the greatest idea ever I needed in my collection. And I'm like, you're literally spending money on clear acetate. There's nothing there. And I'm like, oh, okay. But at least Bad Idea gets some mileage out of their comic company. Get some PR on Bleeding Cool or whatever. But don't you think this just undercuts the credibility of CGC? Just like, like at that point, I know you'll slab anything and grade anything. But like, this is a publicity stunt. Like, have some, some pride in your company. I don't know. It's just. It, it, it this one actually when I saw it I was like just bothered me I'm like this is what's you know wrong with it the idea isn't wrong the fact that the idea is going to be a thousand dollars per issue is what's wrong if that makes any ins- sense of what I'm trying to explain yeah now I guess my question is 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 CGC in on this I are 100% they... believe they are by the thing that I saw okay because the way that you were saying it was that, like, you know, they, bad ideas sent 
a piece of acetate folded in half with two staples in it to CGC and CG and they put the whole thing together and said, yep, this is a real comic book. Grade it. And CGC in all earnest earnestness and honestness graded the comic that doesn't exist. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's what no, it no. Looks- it's just I, 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 I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying the way that you'd stated that it sounds like, oh no, CGC is just like, yeah, we'll grade anything that comes in. But if CGC is in on it, I, I think either way, whether CGC legitimately graded this or they're in on it, it kind of, um, you know, puts their credibility, whatever that is, to you or me or anyone, uh, into a lot of, um a lot of uh, dubiousness, right? Right. Yeah. I think it belittles their cause. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know if you're on the mailing list and uh, you get that offer to buy one, let us know how much it is. Well, Joe, they go from 0.5 to a 10. Oh, no, I'm just saying they they said they got various grades. I, I misread that. But I'll, I'll take all I can get. You know what I mean? I, you know what? Actually, I'll just take two, Joe. That's all I want. There you go. That's the video. Now, see, that's the thing. If I got one, I would automat- I would immediately open it up. I would unslab it. Oh, and read it? Yeah. Get your kids dirt and cookies all over it. And Yeah, I'm with you. Well, no, what I would do is uh, I would do a video of me. Uns- like, let's say I don't get the 9.8. Mm-hmm. I would do a video of me opening up and resending it to CGC to be regraded to see if I get a better grade on it. Oh, you could send it in to get it pressed, Joe. Oh, there you go. You know, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not talking down. You know what getting pressed means, right? No. Oh, that's okay. That's where like you have an old book and they steam like the wrinkles out of it. So before you go and get it graded. <laughs> <laughs> right, they don't so much steam the wrinkles out of it. Oh, you it's, know, it's it's, right. the, it's the same concept, right? <laughs> right, but they have a press that's two flat pieces of metal, and they put it in there, and they just they just squish the book, and it like takes a lot of the imperfections out of it. I've seen what it can do, and it's pretty crazy. But that's the first thing I would do is I would resubmit it and say I want this. You know, it's a nine point. I want it pressed to see if I can get a ten or a nine point nine. Right. Or if I get like the nine point six, I'll go for the nine point eight or the ten. Oh, what? Why don't we? Why don't we start an invisible comic opportunity and just get acetate with staples and send it in and say it's the book? Prove me wrong. Right. Right. Prove me well, wrong. Well, okay, so I would assume there's got to be a way that they can keep track of them, right? Right. How do, well, keep, I, how do you keep track of a piece of acetate folded in half with two staples in it? Well, the cases have numbers if they are actually graded by CGC, and they have their whole, like, forum and their, like, I forget what it's called. Uh, Adam would, would know what it is. Um, but, yeah, so they would have that, and they're like, here's every copy we know – we keep a list of, of every copy of whatever issue. It doesn't matter what book and what grades that they've gotten. Like there's it, there's a hundred of this book and this many's 9.8, this many's 9.2, this many's whatever. So as long as nobody brings those back, what we should be pretty good. I don't know. There's got to be a way to do it, Joe. I'm overthinking yeah, the, this opportunity. Right. Us overthinking this opportunity feels as though this is the same amount of effort that the bad idea folks put into this opportunity in the first place. Right. And I, this happens all the time, but you know, what's not an opportunity, Todd, the soon to be named network. 
mm-hmm. at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com i'm not ashamed that it's a tumblr site <laughs> uh works just as good as any other you know hosting thing uh where you can find all the shows in the soon to be named network anytime they go live uh, or anytime the folks from those shows appear on any other shows and they let me know that they're on those shows. Uh, shows like Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and Porch Talk. You can also head over to Masklibrary.com to check out our friend Kevin's uh, musings in regards to the world of comic books. Um, he gets a little bit more granular than we do, <laughs> a little bit more indie stuff, uh, looking at some of the uh, more hot Kickstarters, uh, thrift store finds, that sort of thing. Head over to Rick Williams' The Chop Shop uh, for all the cool uh, resin and glow-in-the-dark uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling sculptures that he does. You could also check out through Comixology, uh, listeners of our show, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, both self-published comic books. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Definitely check those out. And uh, if you do not have a comic book store in your area or do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our comic book store be your comic book store, and that's Comics on the Green. Uh, If you cannot go there in person like we do to get your books, they do have a fantastic mail order subscription service, whether you get your books weekly, every other week, once a month. This is a guarantee that you actually are getting your books uh, as opposed to the folks that, you know, have a pull list and never come and actually get their books. And if you're getting stuff mailed to you, you might get a sketch uh, on your package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media for all her sketches, commissions, uh, work in progresses, skincare tips, all sorts of things. Oh, no, they're, they're routines, Joe. They're skincare routines, I was told. And I was like, I thought gymnasts do routines. Other people just wash their face. You know? When I see when I see her, I'm gonna say, "Don't you mean skincare opportunities?" <laughs> no, but, but she was she was giving the boys at the comic book shop a hard time for the type of soap that they use on their face. Right. We were told that because uh, she asked because she gives somebody a, a skincare opportunity, and I was like, "She's like, what do you wash it with?" And I was like, "Ivory soap." If I'm in the shower, because that's right. what I use in the shower. And then she's like, and then somebody said, uh, like soft soap or the soap like that. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you. She's going off. And I was like, I use that too. If I'm like in someplace that's all they have and I have something on my face, I think it's better to use soft soap than, you know, leave something dirty on my face. And we were going back and forth. And I was just like, listen, Becky, soap is soap. Doesn't you're getting fooled into paying more money for something that's the same as my soap, but they just add some strawberry or some lavender to it and then they triple charge it or whatever. And she was like, No, it's got this acid, whatever. And I was like, Hydrochloric acid? What? I don't know. They're two faced. Just go ahead, put it on your face. And we got into a bit of a scuffle. So uh, I was going to say, or even worse, pumpkin spice soap. Oh my God. I'll take two of those too. And I could I could get into this for hours, just so you know. I'll have you know that there is no difference in the taste between <laughs> a face soap and a and a hand soap. Oh. Um and 
I don't, well, I was going to say I don't use any soap. I just boil a, I literally boil a washcloth and then scrub my face with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I have the beautiful complexion that I have. But mm-hmm. then I thought of this idea. I mean, opportunity, I mean, joke. Uh, <laughs> what I do is I get the old school Prell in the glass bottles. <laughs> right. And I, I mold that and I let it harden overnight into a bar of soap. And then I use that directly on my face. Right. Before you tell her the next time you see her that you just use boiling water. Yes. Um, for, tee it up first with the no, I use a seven in one body wash and that oh. will just send, send, cause you're like, that covers everything. Right. Yes. That will send her into the stratosphere. And then no, no, no. Just boiling water in a washcloth. Like I yep. want to see what that does for the follow up. Well, from all the money that I'm saving on a second or third soap, uh, <laughs> I could get digital comics because there's a ton on sale. Um, a lot of holdovers from last week. I think la- everyone saw like, oh, it's the end of the year. We could run these out through Christmas and New Year's, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much everything from last week is here. The only new ones was Image added a recent hits sale. Uh, so that's stuff that was released within the last, I think, 12 months. Is that how that works? I believe so. And uh, Dark Horse added a separate special Matt Kint sale. And I will say included in that image, whatever sale, is the most recent uh, Reckless book, House of the Devil sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, well, let me double check before I put my, uh, foot in my mouth here. All right. Before you put your double stamp on it. Yeah. There are no stamps here. Oh. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> You're giving me a tick. Uh, sadly not included in this sale, uh, is six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Which is a travesty of justice. Yep, because if that was, uh, I was just going to go, yeah, th- just just get that. There's really nothing else to do, you know? And not trying to be, like, maybe it was because that's coming out in trade early January? Maybe. Let them get the trade out there and then put the digital on sale, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I, I did see that if you pre-order the digital trade, uh, you save a buck, so... That's a thing that you could do as well. There you go. Right. Uh, so, hey, let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, Todd, I'll throw it over to you to start things off. Right. Uh, the book I was looking forward to most was King Conan, number one, uh, by writer Jason Aaron and artist Muhammad Azrar. Um, this, you know, it takes place as King Conan's era, which is far in the, you know, regular future of Conan, the Sumerian. Um, he's, he was ruling pretty much everything that, that he saw before him. And he decided to take it, you know, to go adventuring again in this. And in the course of that, he ends up, uh, his boat ends up sinking and he swims to this tiny Island. He's the sole survivor, and that island is a bunch of like corpses and weapons and stuff. And it seems like that this is this island has had this happen many, many times before. And while he's there, he runs into his arch enemy, Toth Amon, the magician, who is interesting because he even mentions in this book, he's like, they've never met. Conan's heard the name, 
but uh, they've never run across each other in all their adventures. He always kind of tripped Tothamon up by, uh, you know, get, stopping his machinations, and uh, which I, I always found interesting. And if you actually go to the Conan uh, books, I think they only meet once later in life, and this might kind of be it. Um, and they go, uh, Tothamon wants revenge for all the stuff that this stupid uh, barbarian has ruined for him, and they fight, he's, and ends up, he's like, well, well, you know, you have magic king's blood in you. You're King Conan now. I'm going to use that. And he's like, well, maybe something's up with that. And things don't quite go as Tothamon plans. And uh, th- things maybe get worse after a spell goes awry. And uh, Tothamon and Conan may have to become unlikely allies, <laughs> Joe. Um, a fun book. It looked really beautiful. I like Jason Aaron a little bit more when he was with Asad Ribic doing some Conan stuff, but uh, uh, Muhammad's art is just as is just as beautiful. Um, I really like this book. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm not really sure uh, what else. Um, obviously, not reading anything about this beforehand. Um, I was surprised to see who the villain was. Um, I did like all the bits in regards to, and again, I don't want to spoil too much about the book because, uh, Jason Aaron kind of writes Conan in a way that he's very like quippable, mm-hmm. quote, quotable, that sort of right. thing, you know, and I don't want to give too much of that away, but like, there's a great bit in here where Conan's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of sorcerer you are. You still need to like be able to breathe to talk to cast your spells mm-hmm. and like they're fighting like it throws them in the ocean and then he's like well you need like your hands to cast your spells too so let me like get rid of those as well right um so there was a lot of like fun bits like that and again of course the book is called king conan and i'm not really sure there's much else i could say outside of that in regards to uh where the plot goes in regards to this but uh i definitely think at least on the Marvel side of thing, Jason Aaron's Conan reads differently, feels differently, rings differently than other folks who have written Conan, which there aren't a ton. Um, but definitely, this feels like Jason Aaron's character to play with. I get what you're saying. I like the fact that that they kind of discuss a little bit his aversion to responsibility, even though you know he's strived his whole life to become king if you will just great stuff i'm with you i'm looking forward it's only a mini series so yeah kind of a deal uh the other book that we both read is avengers forever uh also written by jason aaron with art by aaron cooter uh this is the avengers of the multiverse uh i thought i'm like oh it's a new avengers it's an ancillary book And little did I know that it's spinning out of the events of Avengers 750. They do a good job of filling you in to the best of their abilities. Uh, This primarily takes place on Earth 818. Our lead character is Tony Stark, who is an unabashed drunk (laughs) Ant-Man. Uh, we do get some characters, and again, I, I can't say that, you know, I, I, I'm not going to tiptoe around, it's right in the cover, and it's right on the inside cover of the front page, but uh, Ghost Rider, uh, Robbie Reyes, and Deathlock, and again, don't quote me on Deathlock's shoot name these days, mm-hmm. um, they are the ones that come over from our Earth to this Earth, and it's them that kind of gives Tony Stark, Ant-Man, the inspiration 
uh, to come forward with what would be his Avengers. Mm -hmm. Um, As they are taking on, what is it, the... From one of the other multiverse books, I forget what he is, but it's like the Red Skull with the Venom symbiote. The Black, uh, the black skull. skull, yes. Black Skull, there you go. I was going to say Red Venom, but that's a different book. No, Venom Spawn, that's a completely <laughs> different character. Venom, right. Venom Spawn is a completely different character in a completely different book. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it. I feel as though if I was sticking with Jason Aaron's Avengers, I would love it a lot more because it's more of that. Um. But I'll I'll hang out for this arc, you know, see how it goes. It mm-hmm. Looks real nice. Aaron Cooter's art's real nice. Aaron Cooter's a good artist. I like him. Um, that being said, I read this book, read a little bit of the Avengers when Jason Aaron first came on because I'll I'll give Jason Aaron a try on anything. So I kind of get what he's going like where this world's went off the rails with all the like. Odin and Iron Fist and the Phoenix, they kind of all got defeated. So everything changes on this. But as I was reading this book, I only thought one thing was kind of cool. And that was uh, Ghost Rider chasing down the the hell train and what powered it and stuff like that. All of that, like, and then he's like, well, I'm going to take this train and get all these people out of here. I, I like all that. But everything else, uh, it just, I was like, there's so much explanation here. They're explaining everything. This, the venom ants, this, that, that I'm like, all right. And I may be a little multiverse burnt out already. Sure. Because now it's to the point, it's like, okay, who is this Ant-Man? Because it's not going to be Pym or any of the other ones that it'd be. Oh, it's, so it's Iron Man. And well, what weird version of like the villain of Venom are we... Who's the, the the symbiote on? Like, it's like I've seen all these tricks now, like a million times. And unless you do something really interesting, it's just like, oh, here's my world where characters are mashed up. Like, I'm like, ah, eh, it just doesn't work for me anymore. So I, this book was just a like not terrible, but not good either. Mm-hmm. So I read a book that explained everything to me too much at times. And I was like, all right, I'm out. I don't need to read issue two. Yeah, and I, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll stick with it for an issue or two. But you know, I looked at what's coming in March, and there's a lot of books coming in March, so it <laughs> yeah. has until it has until then. There you go. Fair enough. You know, because unless a unless a book is just terrible, um, I'll give you two issues at least. Hmm. Very enough. rarely will I buy things just for the cover. Right. Or Very just the character? Will you follow just the character for a while? Uh, even if, if I'm unfamiliar, if I'm unfamiliar with the creative team, a character will give you one issue. Okay, because we've discussed like a Thunderbolts is your thing that you'll go to every time. Yeah, that you'll try, but if it's bad, you're out. There's nothing that you go. I'm getting this all the time, every issue, even if I even if I don't like it. There's nothing in there that you'll do. <sighs> so, you know, obviously we're going to get in this when we get into Todd and Joe have issues, but Spider-Man, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not familiar with the current creative team. Um, I like the story. I don't love the story that's currently going on in Spider-Man. Um, obviously, I feel as though they're leaning a little too heavy on the beyond corporation stuff. And then mm-hmm. we're getting full issues like obviously we're not getting any 
Sp- Peter Parker Spider-Man issues, we're getting a lot of Ben Riley Spider-Man issues, which is fine. But then we'll get like an entire issue that fills out the whole Aunt May Doctor Octopus thing. We'll get a full issue of the Daughters of the Dragons training, so they right. they can train Ben Riley better. And I'm like, I get what we're trying to do here to build out this whole corner of the Spider Universe with this, but this just feels as though however many years ago it was when we did brand new day and we were putting out three to four Spider-Man books a month that we need to continue and forever put out three to four Spider-Man books a month. Right. So you're reading this book. What, how far back till you, I obviously know you don't have to amazing fantasy 15, but how far back do you go till you have a gap in your Spider-Man collection? Well, okay. So, um, uh, I don't have the, uh, you know, from the full arc of the super fast aging ninja kid stuff. But you have it before that and after? Okay, right. So when the writing was on the wall that that's where that was going, whatever issue that was up to one more day, I don't have any of that in my collection. And then it picks right back up with Brand New Day. Prior to that from my own collection growing up, I had like the two eighties to current. And then there was a period of time where when I was, I was um, doing trade-ins as I would see like cheap seven, like uh, I didn't really care about the quality. Like, obviously I'm not going to get a book that's in rags, Mm -hmm. but if I would see a lot really cheap, of like early 80s, late 70s Amazing Spider-Mans, I would grab them. So I have a bunch of assorteds from like the 200s to 280s. And then 280s you have to one more, uh, to Ninja Kids, then the Gap, then all the way up to today? Correct. Nothing missed. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Then, then, Then you do have like the Flash for me. Right. And which it probably would have happened what you did got out with the new 52 flash, but I had a source that was getting them for free. So they were sliding. They were like, Hey, keep your collection going. And I think I may have told you this of the new 52 books. I tried the first like eight or nine. I was like, it's flash. It'll get more than two. And I got to like 12 maybe. And I was like, I'm out of here on this. And thus ends my run on having Flash all the way back to the Golden Age. Yeah. And they were like, here you go. And I was like, okay. And then they took that away from him with one issue left to go in the new 52 Uh. run. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I'll buy that last one. You know what I mean? I've gotten 60 issues for free or whatever it was. I'll buy that last one. And then Rebirth came and I have all the way to today. So Yeah. I just like telling that story, but anyway. That's a good one. All right, speaking of which, uh, that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether the books you buy are invisible, be forewarned, be (laughs) forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And this ends year eight of doing this Mm -hmm. i'm currently in the lead with three correct guesses so even if i sandbag this last one and todd has to get 
four points for this one, which is an impossibility. This will be my second time in eight years of winning this. Oh, the dynasty. Right. Uh, there was there was one year where there was a tie. <laughs> oh, like kissing your sister. Right. Uh, so I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Human Target number three. Yep, that is the book I'm looking forward to. All right. Now, see, I have, like, I really don't care on this one. It's done. I've lost the right. game. We're in garbage time, trachea airways kind of time. Um, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at yours, and I see two. I see two books that it could be. Um, and I don't know if Kang trumps Justice League International or Justice League International trumps Kang. But because it's a one shot and then you'll be able to go back to the many more. I mean, goes the book look you're looking forward to timeless. Number one, it is timeless. Number one. Mm. In this I- instance, Kang, uh, listen, justice league international. While I love them, you know, I don't have the same love or affinity for them that you do. Mm-hmm. If my love for them is a nine years is a 12 plus on a scale <laughs> right. of one to 10. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel as though both of us Kang supporters need to stick together. Okay, who's the other Kang supporter? I don't know. I'm sure there's at least one other person out there that feels as strongly about Kang as I do. Well, I know at least the guy who wrote Kang's mom is probably buying this book. So. Right. There's your two. Uh, but that, you know, it, it, with Kang, you know, this being a launching point for like a big crossover thing with Kang as the focal point to it. Uh, I'm a sucker for Kang. So, you know, that's what I got it is. you. Yeah. I got you. So, uh, yeah, that wipes the slate clean. And like I said, it's, uh, I, I could add to the list here. Poll standings, 2021 winner, me. Oh, you know what? Glad we weren't doing a trophy this year. Right. Last year was the tie. Yeah. And it was 2018 where I broke up your dynasty. Oh. <laughs> Even Tom Brady had down years, Joe. That's right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together. Uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Or Todd and Joe have issues, which this is the uh, series finale of the Spider Clone Saga against Jonah Hex, the Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray run that would dovetail into the New 52 and All-Star Western, which I did read in a story that we've told on the show here many a times. Todd always, of course, a uh, Jonah Hex fan, of course. We went to Baltimore Comic-Con, went to the New 52 panel. Amongst one of the people there was Jimmy Palmiotti. And I had always known he was kind of, and again, I hate to say a character, but definitely <laughs> a presence. Definitely not like a straight-laced guy, but definitely somebody who feels like, uh, you know, like your buddy, you know? Yep. A pitchman from Brooklyn. There you go. There you go. Uh Writing comic books, an extra in the Goodfellas. You know, he could do it all. <laughs> right. And he pitched what the Jonah Hex stuff was. But then when somebody asked a question about the numbers on the books, uh, he had said, you bring your book to me and I will write any number on it you want me to write on it. Because if you remember, Todd, some 10 years ago, 
the big thing was that they were starting the numbering of action comics and detective comics back at one. And DC was never going to go back to those original numberings again. Um, let me check my notes. Did they go back, Joe? Did they? I'm not sure. I lost them. You'll have to tell me. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. And the fact that people actually like, not only the fact that DC said that they were not gonna, but the fact that people believe them when they said it, I'm not sure which was more ridiculous. I swear I didn't believe it at all. Eyes darting back and forth quickly uh-huh. right now. Um, so, uh, my thing that I had to read was Jonah Hex, um, issue 70, the finale of this, and I think it was at least from the first one, so at first, because it was titled Weird Western, and wasn't that where Jonah came from, like, a book called Weird Westerns or something? Yes, he appeared in All-Star Western, which was, uh, ran from one to, to, 12 or 1 to 11 either way he was in 10 and 11 of uh, and then it switched over to weird western he was in issues up to 38 and then he got his own book but so the most part of his original run was called weird western yeah tales so i knew there was going to be something funky up with this and the long and the short of this is um it's three like little mini short stories of how jonah meets his demise um, whether it be he, an old man who gets shot da- shot while playing a game of cards, um, whether it be him, just a normal man playing cards, uh, who gets attacked by his dad, who somehow is younger than him, or he gets shot by Tallulah, uh, for discretions against her and her possible unborn child. Uh, all of these are hallucinations as Jonah has taken a turn for the worst and they go see a shaman medicine man type person uh, who is assisting Jonah. And it is um, Batlash and Tallulah who bring him there. Yes, it is. Um, So again, of course, uh, they're there to watch over Jonah as he goes through whatever it is that he's going through. Uh, they call it, of course, a, a vision quest, spirit guides, whatever it is. Uh, but whatever it is, it does take Jonah almost a week uh, to recover from it and to be able to get back out onto the road. And, of course, from this spirit quest, from this vision quest, whatever you want to call it, uh, Jonah sadly has learned nothing as he is both rude to Batlash and to Lula and is off uh, on his own by himself. Uh, as the medicine man says, uh, you know, maybe one day you'll change your ways. Uh, and Jonah's like, no, that ain't going to happen. But uh, I did like the way that these stories were told. And uh, I think we had Ryan Sook art for most of it. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the art was by Diego Olmos, uh, who did like the back half. Uh, but no, I thought this was like a fun, nice coda to this story that uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray got to tell for you know 70 issues what's my gazintas on that like almost six years unabated uninterrupted and unmessed with by DC editorial for the most part I would assume yep because 60 issues is five years so six years ten months and yeah. uh, and the standalone hardcover right so right they got 
they got that in there. So it's over. Like, it makes me sad that this is probably the closest we were ever going to get to a hundred issues of Jonah Hex. Um, uh, but you know, actually, the first run went to ninety-two. But you get what I mean. Like, I think this could have stood on its own if New Fifty Two didn't happen. But of the three visions that he has, the first vision is actually how he dies in nineteen oh four until spoiler. Oh, okay. Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti changed it in All-Star Western that he survived. But, uh, yes, he's in a bar playing cards, cleaning his spectacles, and somebody, uh, Barrows, comes in and shoots him down. And we find out that uh, this, the uh, because he's been shot or beat up or whatever, and that's what the Indian is, uh, the Native American is fixing him up, uh, and he's having these visions. It was because he went after the Barrows family and the guy who ends up killing him is the guy who gets away and actually years later kills him. Like this is all in the story. So I really like that. And then the hallucinations that he's having, you know, are cool. So like knowing the the history, I like the story a little more, if that makes any sense. For sure. Obviously, you being a long-term Died in the Wool Jonah fan, of course, those things resonate with you. I had no clue that those were callbacks to previous stories, but they still worked for me. Uh, I enjoyed this issue. And this was a a hell of a run of a book. You know, obviously, uh, I had a feeling I was going to enjoy this, uh, having enjoyed All-Star Western coming into it almost absolutely clean with no prior Jonah Hex knowledge. Uh, so coming into this with even the slightest bit of Jonah Hex knowledge, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Now, just one last question. Uh, do you, cause it's been a while. Do you think you liked it more than the all-star Western or, um, or too far apart? You have no idea. Let's say I enjoyed all-star Western more. Okay. But I bet maybe you liked issues like Jonah Hex 50 with Tallulah and the one with his father and a couple other ones here and there. I think I think Jonah Hex as a whole has the high spots, if you will. Sure. Uh, that's all I just wanted to ask anyway. But I won't dwell on it too much. I just really like Jonah Hex. I don't know if you know that. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, so should we uh, end this thing with a bang? And uh, uh, Well... We're going to talk about the 101 ways to stop the clone saga. So I don't know how much of a bang it's going to be, you know? I think the 102nd way is I never had to read it, but they didn't have that one in this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is basically like a parody book, a meta like book, whatever. It's like the editors discussing all the the ways that um that they you know were trying to end the clone saga because it's gotten out of hand um and the task uh was goes to mark bernardo who i'm like i don't even know that writer i was like he's got a heavy load here to, to bear but it's all the editors sitting around and going we've been told we have to end the clone saga and get things back to status quo and then like after i've been all through this it just starts out with them explaining everything that's happened yet again and i'm like oh good i'm glad we get to go over this and then at this point i i read the book joe but i kind of tapped out because i'm not going to go over all the different ways that they try there's a lot of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff that they're like oh well maybe ben and peter are actually the same and one goes back in time and he leads the life and then that closes the loop and then at one point they're like maybe we just have ben riley turn to goop and it's over and we never explain it again and i'm like that was almost the way 
Some of it ended in the actual storyline. Ben just turns back to goop. So we know he's definitely the clone. Um, but there's too much inside baseball in this thing where I, it, this is 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. And they're talking about like all these editors. I'm like, I forgot which editors were on. I didn't even know back then what editors were on the books. And they're like, okay. And then this person's like, well, where's this guy? He's late. Well, he's probably either gone for a swim or watching uh, reruns of The Rockford Files. And I'm like, I guess that's cute if you know these guys. Like, I almost feel like this book was written for them. You know what I mean? And not for me. And as it went on, I just did not care um, until we get to the end where the editor just says, I don't care what you do just, and he just berates them, berates them, berates them. Like you have to do it. And the end they're like, Oh, um, he sounds like, you know, almost he's an irrational, insane maniac, almost like the green goblin. Well, you know, we may have something there. And then, uh, they just cut to the watcher and he's like, greetings, I'm Uatu. And I declare that never in all my centuries of observing the multiverse have I witnessed alternate realities such as these. Not even that time I sniffed Bedouin glue back on Alder Barn 4. It just goes to show you sometimes even the watcher and Todd would do well to avert his gaze. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like... Oh, man, I just what a terrible way to end this whole spider clone saga thing. Uh, so I will say that yes, this was a little too insular, less about the clone saga itself and more about like, hey, here's all the editors and writers you love in the Marvel bullpen in 1996. <laughs> right. Whereas I think they at the time at the Marvel bullpen thought that they were just as much as celebrities uh, or known quantities as the image guys. Hey, and, we're all Stan Lee's here, but go ahead. Right. And I'm sorry that I have to tell Bob Budiansky and Tom DeFalco here some 25 years later that you weren't. Mm -hmm. Though Bob Budiansky still the best name in comic creators. I would say it's up there. I love it. I think it's, who knows, it might be the number one name in comic book creators. Cool names, um, anyway. So you had mentioned, like, obviously, I didn't write down all the pitches and all the everything else's that they they wanted to do. Uh, I did write down some of my more favorite ones, where okay. it was just like, your typical, like, oh, it's amnesia, it's time travel, uh, Ben melts. I did like the one where they have the press conference. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, hey, listen, I'm like outside of being Peter, like outside of being Spider-Man, like Peter Parker is like a pretty well-known guy uh, in like the New York world. And even if you don't know that he's Spider-Man, like I'm sure that a good chunk of the Marvel Universe uh, in New York knows who Peter Parker is. So for him to come forward and have this press conference, um, like kind of makes a lot of sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then there was the bit where Scryer is revealed to be Mephisto. Mm -hmm. And I could only imagine that like J. Michael Straczynski was reading this when he got his idea for one more day, all those many years later. So obviously this particular issue, this code of the spider clone saga inspired that bad story. Mm -hmm. And I also like the other bit where it was going to be revealed that the master programmer was behind it all. And that the master programmer was going to be revealed to be. And then 
the Marvel lawyer who definitely looks like the lawyer uh, that Peter Parker got in No Way Home mm-hmm. uh, says, no, you can't do we're not going to let you do this because we have a big storyline planned for the master programmer next year. And if you do this, it'll ruin that storyline. Todd, I looked it up. There was no big storyline for the master programmer of the 90s. Spoiler alert. If there was, it wouldn't have been this that ruined it. <laughs> let um, me Go ahead. And I, the only other thing that I have is, and of course, it was the 90s. It was the time. You can't judge. Um, but there was like. There was a dusting of misogyny in this. <laughs> Just a slight bit, um, you know, like Peter, one of Peter Parker's taunts in the battle with um, Stunner is that she stuffs her bra and that's what gets her mad. Um, multiple, multiple jokes about Black Cat being sex crazed all the time. Right. Um, but again, reading it with 1996 eyes, I'm sure. This this was light comedy back then in 2021. Um, you know, I was just like, oh, it reads a little bit weird is all. Right, no, I'm with you. And uh, the one thing that I, uh, that I will give as a positive this book is every idea they threw out, they had like somebody come in and then later on one guy just tear everything apart. He's like, these are all why they don't work. Like if these were legitimate ideas, these are why they don't work because this these parts don't make any sense. And I'm like... You know what? This guy is absolutely right. They don't. But what what they went with, there's a whole bunch that still doesn't work, Joe. So who cares what idea literally you used other than the fact that they were probably just like, you know what? It gives us Norman back and kids love the goblins. So here we go. I don't know. Um... Yeah, uh, so I won't be assigning anything like this to you ever again, Todd. And this is my official apology to you for making you read this. Right. So you're so the, has it has time like answered the question whether it was good or not? <sighs> it was it's not pretty bad. It's not good, right? Um, it starts out promising, and that's it. And then jammed Maddie's carries the load occasionally. And then it goes completely off the rails. When Mendelstrom is your big reveal, get out of here. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, like I said, it was, uh, you know, it was a fumble on like the, uh, like, uh, you know, third and down or whatever, you know, third and down. Okay. Yeah. That's exactly. Is that um, a thing that you would say in football fourth and down? Uh, you would say fourth down or, th- uh, fourth and, fourth and goal. There you go. Yeah, uh, fumble on the- fourth. Yes. You're good now. You got it. It was in there. It was in there. Um, but I don't Shot know. Ahead. Strongest recommendation to avoid. And strongest recommendation to read Jonah Hex. So, there you go. So learned- Jonah Hex definitely wins this head-to-head uh, <laughs> straight-up thing, right? Okay. Uh, so starting next week, next year, we are still going to be doing Todd and Joe have issues, but we're not going to be reading anything. We are going to be pitting uh, the bottom 
of our respective choices for second best rogues gallery in all of comics because it's universally known that the flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics mm-hmm. the rogues gallery if you will. right so i feel spider-man has the second best todd feels spider-man ain't even in the top five and he <laughs> picked batman as who he's gonna back the horse of his rogues gallery right mm-hmm. and listen we could have done green goblin versus the joker or Venom versus Bane, and then it kind of falls off a cliff there on the Batman side for name villains. Uh, right, Spider-Man, or I could be here all day. Sure, with generic animal named characters. Got it. Go ahead. Who are all deeply pathosed and experienced characters? Yes, yes. Um, so what we're doing is we've picked what we feel are the bottom twenty six, respectively. <laughs> Of those uh, rogues galleries, I picked the bottom 26 of Spider-Man. Todd picked the bottom 26 of Batman. And with the help of listener uh, Grinch McScrooge, who put together a beautiful Google Docs spreadsheet. Magnifique, I say, as a fellow uh, spreadsheet Excel aficionado. Right. uh, This was beautiful. And it's going to pre-fill everything in. The top five picks that we have are going to get a buy into the second round. Uh, it's going to pair a Batman villain versus a Spider-Man villain. And the next week we'll have our first matchup. Todd and I are going to make their case for why we feel the character that we're pitching is wor- is worse than this bad villain for the other person. And you're going to vote for who you think is worse. Because the idea of this is... You're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. And if the worst Spider-Man villain runs a tournament where he beats the worst Batman villains, then that would say that Spider-Man definitely has the strongest rogues gallery if his weakest could beat Batman's weakest, right? Sure, why not? Right. So next week we'll have the we're gonna we're gonna plead our case. We're gonna do a Twitter poll every week where you the listeners are gonna vote on who you think is worse between the Spider-Man and the Batman villain. We're going to run the spreadsheet and, uh, you know, that's, what's going to get us through through that 2022 until we get to the very end. And, uh, you know, it's a a foregone conclusion. As far as I'm concerned, that Spider-Man will be cemented as the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Right. Cement galoshes, maybe. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you are a spread, I will give you that you are a spreadsheet aficionado, though I will also give you that you're very patient with those who aren't, Joe. Mm-hmm. So. But I look forward to this. I look forward to getting those scraping that barrel, scraping that barrel, which is, you know, most of the barrel for Spider-Man. But uh, oh, yeah, we, this is going to be good. And I mean, and I'm not even going to take my list. I'm not even going to outsource my list to the greatest, like, you know, bracket man in history, uh, Adam Van. I'm going to do it on my own. So so you have a chance. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. But again, mm-hmm. that'll start up next week. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll make the case. And then you, the listeners, have to vote to see who moves on, you know? Uh, so, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not since last week. And I don't know when I'll have one again, because 2022, Joe, I don't know if you know this, it for me is going to become the year of monetary restraint. So I hope I don't do too many, uh, for next year, but we'll see. 
you're not going to publicly state that on a uh, forum where it can be tracked and traced and thrown in your face <laughs> like so I don't know, many I may, other folks. I may tweet it out. We'll see. That makes it official. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I think maybe we'll keep it here, uh, you know, on the low key that it is uh, my year of monetary restraint. Certainly. Well, the way that you could uh, aid and abed Todd's monetary restraint <laughs> Uh, is by making a purchase from our store where we have shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you could also head over to our Tee Public store where you can get even more things inspired by this show, After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, Add Odds with Wrestling, Hit My Music on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. You can also help us out by signing up for our Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. is going to get you two bonus shows a month from Todd and I. 2022 is going to bring you more previewing the past, looking at 30 years ago that month in the world of comics. And again, if you are a comic book person, you know how tumultuous 1992 was. And we got all the data and processing and everything else to back it all up. Yep, all beautifully scanned, Joe. Expertly scanned, I would even say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the movie side of things, we're going to be doing the Mark Pirro project. Uh, Todd was a fan coming in, but I was so charmed uh, by a uh, Polish vampire in Burbank. Nailed it. All right. Uh, that we're going to decide to look into the rest of the catalog in chronological order of Mark Pirro. And I'm just waiting to hear back from Mr. Pirro because we have a plan to hopefully get him to come on the podcast and discuss some of these films. Uh, But we'll see. I think either way, we're still going to go forward with those just to have some fun with something a little bit more goofy, a little bit more off kilter. Um, Not leaving that one up to the vote, of course. Um, And again, $5 is going to give you those bonus shows before everyone else and give you early access to After Dark, usually about two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Uh, Almost last but not least is you can help us out by making any of all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. Does not cost you anything extra, but if you use the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com, gives us a little bit of a kickback. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee, because of course if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. We call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Glad Force Flex Tall Kitchen Drawstring Trash Bags, Lavender Scent. Ooh. Todd, have we crossed the point of no return once they have pumpkin spice scented garbage bags? I I don't know, because isn't that where pumpkin spice is supposed to be in garbage bags? I tell you, if I'm near anything pumpkin spice, that garbage is going to be smelling like at any moment. There you go. I think that's, but I don't know. I think that's one that I would accept. I would just be like, ah, it smells like garbage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody also purchased K-Bear KS2 in-ear headphones. Uh, and Todd is someone who always has earphones, earbuds in, because he's constantly listening to podcasts. I'm deathly afraid of, like, the cordless Bluetooth 
connected ones, like what would be commonly referred to as AirPods. Mm-hmm. I'm deathly afraid of at the most inopportune time that they'd run out of a charge or heaven forbid I lose one. Oh, I, anytime I would walk over a storm drain, I would cover my ears, Joe. <laughs> there is a storm drain near the front of my house. And if I have to park in front of my house, I will not have any of my stuff. Like I will keep, I won't be like, you know how a lot of time, times you're getting into your car and you're like getting stuff out of your pockets as you're moving and getting into your car. Mm-hmm. I will hand. put everything in my bag. I will open the door with my keys and then immediately put my keys into my pocket, throw my bag into the car, close the door, turn the car on and pull forward a little bit and then get all my stuff out of my car. That's how deathly afraid I am of dropping anything. I have nightmares about (laughs) dropping my keys, my cell phone, my MP3 player, my wallet down storm drains worldwide. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm just going to have, I'm going to pay the borough to just add extra storm drains by your house as uh, as a rib. Well, listen, you give your money to a donkey and see what happens. Okay. Oh, you meant the borough, not a borough. Oh, I like that. I get you. That's pretty good. Come on. (laughs) Oh, borough. I like that. All right, so thank you to anyone who made any and all purchases through the uh, Amazon click-through, whether it be this week, this month, or this year. Uh, definitely helps out greatly. I'm not going to give you the spiel uh, in regards to, oh, it pays for bandwidth or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, it does what it does, right? I agree. And uh, last but not least, it's time to talk spoiler-filled discussion of the season finale of Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't watched Hawkeye, you're not caught up. We bid you adieu. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it. The end. Me too. No. So I watched it early because I knew it was going to be spoilered up by the rest of the world, you know? Right. Um, but I liked it. I really feel as though one of these days, eventually, we're going to have to do, like, our power rankings of the Disney Plus Marvel TV shows. And that's going to be, at this point, way tougher than doing the movies. Uh-huh. Because they've all been quality, man. Yeah, but to put them in order, like, and obviously this is the most recent one that I watched, but I really like this. Um, I also liked how a lot of this, uh, whether it be intentionally or unintentionally, lined up with the background events of what was going on in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um. Yes, I'm really shocked that they never mentioned like the damage to the Statue of Liberty. Like that's how, how much I was shocked, you mm-hmm. know, that that didn't happen. I figured that would be a perfect tie-in. Right. Uh, so we get the reveal that Kate's mother, um, after her husband died um, in the events of the first Avengers movie, her family was in debt and that debt was uh, taken up, taken over, what have you by, the Kingpin, who we get in that teaser shot in the last, uh, in at the end of issue, uh, issue episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what Clint had been fearing, of course. Uh, so now the Kingpin, Kingpin is involved, and we get all of the pieces that have been kind of moving around the chessboard, all kind of culminating here. Uh, whether it be Maya and Kazi having their confrontation over what happened to Maya's father. Uh, whether it be 
Uh, the fact that Paul F. Tompkins as the swordsman is on the side of good, which I which I did not see coming. I just thought he'd kind of be written off at the end, you know? Um, I didn't think he'd be written off because he was such a good character and Disney knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I know the history of him, that yeah. he has like a, a slightly criminal past and then he kind of turns it around kind of a deal. So I thought we would go there, but we go straight to you know, defending people. So that's more what shocked me. Yeah. Um, I thought he would still be a little bit more dastard, a little bit more underhanding if we got to see him. So it was a nice thing to see him on the side of good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the resolution of uh, Yelena and Clint, where uh, we get their my mom's name is Martha 2 moment between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think done much better here than in the movie where that meme comes from. Right. But I mean, it's something that was established a movie and a half ago. You know what I mean? So we're good. (laughs) It's not something that just comes out of nowhere, but. And, uh, they did a really good job of establishing, establishing what a powerful force the Kingpin is and can be both, um, Physically and with uh, his influence across all of New York. I will say that's one of the things that kind of like, I love this episode. I love this show, but kind of took me off. It was like the Kingpin came, like when did they juice up the Kingpin with super soldier serum? Like Um, I I understand he's not the one from daredevil, the TV show in strength wise. He's the character from the, the show. I don't care what anybody says, but. Just the fact that, like, he gets hit by a car, like, not just tapped by a car, but slammed by a car and put through a window. He's like, oh, I'm up. Gets shot in the chest with his arrow. Oh, let me just knock that down. It's like, I don't know. That just seems like a little too much for the kingpin, if you get my meaning. I will say this. That kingpin has kind of been being ramped up to this sort of high-end power level. Mm-hmm. Since Daredevil Born Again. Okay. Where he, you know, I think that was maybe one of the more first times where they revealed that, like, he's not a big fat man, that he's actually just all muscle. Right. I, I kind of get that. I don't know. I just thought that was a bit much. I do like the way Kate takes him down with the cufflink, which goes all the way back to the daredevil TV show Mm -hmm. that the cufflink was given to him by his father. Um, and I like Kate and Yelena like talking while they were fighting and just doing stuff like all the goofy stuff. And she does say one thing. Yelena says, uh, no, uh, Kate says to Yelena, stop making me like you. And I'm like, that's the way it is. The more of Elena I see, the more I like the character and just the little stuff between them and like her literally like doing the, the jerk move, Kate doing the jerk move of pressing every button in the elevator to slow her down. It was just, they like, I want to see more of like Kate and Elena as a team almost over Clint and Kate as a team, if, if that makes any sense. But I, 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 I love it all. And, uh, um, uh, did you get the reference on the watch that gets returned to Clint's wife? Yes. Yeah, so um, I guess this was intimation that the wife was a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Right. And the specific agent number that she is would mean that she is Bobby Chase, a.k.a. Mockingbird. Right. 
but it wasn't, isn't, didn't Mockingbird Bobby Chase already appear in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show as someone else? Yes, she did. But I think, um, like, uh, like they never really, I mean, that show kind of crossed over into it, uh, Marvel a little, a little bit, and then it kind of went its own way. I never watched the later episodes, but I think they're establishing that definitely she is Bobby Chase now. And even if we acknowledge the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. movies or TV shows, um, Who's to say people weren't using their spies, weren't using false names and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I, I'd rather have her be Bobby Chase, Mockingbird, his wife. I don't know, but that's the way I look at it. Yep. I, I thought that was cool. It just, I, you know, obviously I had given up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by the time that she showed up, but I was aware that she was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if I'm, if this is their way of ignoring that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. exists, I'm okay with that. I'm also okay with it. And uh, maybe Kate's going to have the name Hawkeye from here on out, Joe. Hawkeye yeah, 2. yeah. Hawkeye 2. Hawk Girl. Hawk, I, I just like all the jokes because I think she actually did use those in the comic, too. Like at one Lady time. Hawk was one of them, I think. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And he's like, I got a better name. And I do like the way that he doesn't say it. They just cut to the Hawkeye logo. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes, you know, you don't have to. And I know, you know, so you had mentioned it's like Disney Marvel knows what they're doing with all these characters and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, is it one of the next ones that's coming out, the Miss Marvel show? Yes. Um, and through a lot of these other shows, including this one, we've had uh, the Young Avengers already being established. Yep. Uh, you know, we had Isaiah Bradley in Captain America or Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier Falcon. Uh, we had the Wanda and Vision kids in WandaVision. We have Kate here. Um, so, you know, obviously we could, if if they decided to from Freeform, they wanted to fold Cloak and Dagger into this, that they, I'm sure they could. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, it's the thing that kind of worked for the Marvel movies. You know, we establish all these solo movies of all these characters. And then we give you, after we've done like three or four of them in their own starring things, like, here's now the big thing that they're all in. Yep, yep. And and Pizza Dog gets his shoot name, so it's all good. Aww. Lucky. He's lucky. He sure is. So, so this week, uh, as of this coming out, it'll be uh, airing, and we'll be talking about it next week, of course. Uh will be the book of Bob O. Fett. <laughs> right. The greatest uh, Irish bounty hunter in uh, the galaxy. Yep. Uh, he went up He went up a little bit on my list when he killed that guy with the weird stuff on his head at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. What? How dare I you? I forget what his name was. Bib Fortuna. There you go. I just saw, too, in our latest previews that comes out later this week, that there's a Bib Fortuna black label figure. (sighs) Somebody I know might have to get that. Is is this the weekly purchases portion of the show? No, this is the year of of monetary restraint hasn't started. So uh, they, uh, and I I almost said Ken or Hasbro, uh, do... Uh, figures that look like the old 80s figures, you know? Yeah, with the actual uh, called label. the Vintage Collection, right? right? So the 
vintage collection Bib Fortuna comes out in May. Um, I already pre-ordered that. Right. Now, the Black Series figure is a bit of a quandary, right? So it's one of those opportunities out there where there's a bunch of people that have it, quote unquote, in hand, and they're right. selling it for 50 to 60 bucks. Oh, wait for uh, it to come down. Right. But a lot of other people are doing it as a pre-order because there's a lot of places that have, um, due to dis- 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 distribution problems, mm-hmm. um, the figure is already available in some parts of the world, like let's say like Australia, New Zealand. Right. So you're going to pay a premium for the folks that have it already in hand there, as opposed to paying like $32 on a pre-order to some schmo on eBay. And then when it comes out everywhere, you're kind of guaranteed to get it at the $32 price. But if you need it today, you could pay 60 bucks for it. I don't need it today. So the Michael Jordan of Bib Fortuna figures doesn't need it today. Correct. You can wait. You can wait. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. I just saw it and I was like, yeah. Ooh, I figure you would know about it, but I just wanted to drop that here. So. Yep. And then once I pay the bills for this month, uh, I'll probably start looking at like filling in the pieces of the rest of them, you know? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, order them one by one, getting the cases for them, making the room on the wall for them. Are you getting a Lucy vintage one if you can? Nope. So you can play with them? Nope. Nope. Okay. I was just curious. A great man once said, uh, if, <laughs> if you're, if you're a mint on card collector, you could always become a Lucy collector. Right. But if you're a Lucy collector, you can never go back to be a mint on card collector. Mm, I'll have to ask you who that was when we're done here. Well, he'd probably tell you that when you guys were doing the football helmet podcast together. Oh, okay. As long as I could smooth any rough spots over. Yes. All right, everyone. Thank you very much uh, for bearing with us, hanging in there, talking about things. Uh, Closing out last episode of 2021, huh? Yeah. It's a fresh slate. 2022 is bringing us a uh, new uh, head-to-heads for the rogues gallery, for the poll post, for all sorts of things. I'm excited. Yep. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for being with us. Whether you've been here new, whether you came to us at this iteration eight years ago, ten years ago, back to the three guys from nowhere days, however long you've been with us, we thank you all. Have a happy new year, and uh, we'll see you next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.